So I'm kind of upset because um, I'm having to re-record the first part to this episode of my wonderful labor and delivery. So bear with me as I like piece this stuff together. Also, as I record at 11.21 on a Wednesday workday when I should be inputting data into Salesforce and while Demi is next door taking her second nap of the day. And so, like I said before, welcome to the Dear Demi podcast. If this is your first time listening, I'm Jamesia, and I'm 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 really grateful. I'm really grateful to just be here. Um, and so, part one, if I can piece this together to my labor and delivery. Um, so Demi was born on August 21st. Um, I went into labor. That was a Saturday. And I went into labor on that Thursday. Um, dang it. I be remembering the date, but then sometimes I don't remember the date. But I'm about to look at the date because I know timelines are important for um, people, but really for expecting moms. Like, even though we know that the estimated due date, like, it's just an estimation. It's good. It's 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 fun to have it and to, you know, see like, will my baby be born this day or will my baby be born after? And my baby was bo- born before her estimated due date. So she was due on August 24th, but she was born on August 21st. So pretty close. Um, and I went into labor August 19th, which was a Thursday. And so I woke up or let's rewind. Um, that Wednesday night, like actually no rewind back to the beginning of August. So when August came, like I knew that it was game time. Like it was like I had been already like preparing my body for labor and delivery. Um, thanks to my like wonderful doula, my mommy groups that I've been in. And then also thanks to myself and all the research I just had been putting in and doing um, because I had a way that I, I had a way that I vision envisioned my birth, like labor, delivery and birth happening. I had a vision. <laughs> Did it go according to vision? According to that vision? No, it didn't. Am I upset about it? Mm, a little. Um, but yeah, so I spent a lot of time thinking about that moment, but not only like thinking about the moment, but also just doing what I needed to do to prepare myself, whether that had been listening to different podcasts, reading books, going to different um, childbirth education classes in person and some virtual, preparing myself for the breastfeeding experience, talking and working with my doula, talking through um, and having conversations with Carlos about like what role I needed him to play, but then also about like some scary shit. Like what do we do if, if something really is like like far wrong and like a decision comes to us where, you know, we have to choose, like you have to choose my life or the baby's life. Or like we come to a situation where there's something that is like terminally wrong with the baby and we we have to make a tough decision. Like we were, we literally like everything, we were talking through it. Like what we needed down from like the type of socks all the way to like, 
we knew to expect the call about like us paying the hospital. Like we, I spent a lot of time um, preparing for this moment. Um, although like, yes, if you listen to um, earlier episodes, I really truly wanted a home birth, but that's not what happened and it's okay. And I'm just going to say this, if a home birth is something that you are interested in doing, start as soon as you find out you're pregnant, start. It might be different situations depending on where you live. I just know here in Georgia, there are not, number one, there are laws associated with having a home birth um, and who can perform home births. Like there are differences And I kind of touched on this, but just differences between like the types of midwives and whatnot. And Georgia has laws on who can perform um, home births for mothers. And then also check the laws and whatnot, too, because some states like it is borderline illegal, if not illegal to perform an unassisted birth. I know that is so funny. And an an unassisted like home birth is you saying like, okay, I'm about to have my baby at the house by myself with nobody at all, like helping me at all. Just me, my, my, whoever I want there for support and the baby. Um, And I've read stories about women, um, or heard stories about women accidentally having unassisted home births and then they take their baby to the hospital to be like checked out and get themselves checked out and whatnot. And they get like a whole like interrogation going on because whatever. And it's so just like, ugh, to me because it's like, what were we doing before time? Like hospitals were not always a thing. Anywho, I'm getting way off topic. But yeah, I wanted a home birth. I feel like if I would have started earlier, I probably would have been successful. I also feel like if I had a supportive like family around me and people around me, I probably would have been successful at that as well. Something that looking back on, like, and it's so funny because Carlos would always be like, you got a lot of people around you, like in your ear, who have influence over the decisions that you make. And I was like, no, I make my own decisions. And that's not true. That's not true. Yes, I end up making the final decision, but everybody's voices like are a part of that decision. And a lot of people's voices were a part of how I experienced my pregnancy, my labor, and my delivery. And as much as I like hate that and it makes me cringe, like thinking about it, that's just true. And that's just, it is what it is. And Carlos was calling it out the whole time, but I was, I was too blinded by, I don't know what to even listen to him. Um, and so I feel like if I did have those or had did those two things, like I probably would have been successful at having a home birth, but that's neither here nor there. Sorry. Um, Baby is here. Baby is safe. Baby is happy. Baby is healthy. And so is mama. Um, Well, I'm still processing all of this stuff. But yeah. So um, August, that's when all the prep really intensified. Um, I was taking another childbirth course. And it was by 
um, I think it's called Birthing the Natural Way. I'm going to look it up. Um, but the person who facilitated the class, her name was Nakia. Uh, let me look it up. Birthing Way. I think it's like Birthing Way. No. I'm going to look it up and then I'm going to bring it back up. Um, but she had this virtual, she hosted this virtual um, four series childbirth education course, which y'all, it's free. And it was the best childbirth education course that I took. And I was doing a lot of stuff in a lot of courses, like some paid for, some not. And that one is what you need in your life. Like, even if you're just thinking about having a child, I feel like there's so much you need to do before even, like, you start doing the action of, like, having, <laughs> before you start having sex to, like, have the baby. I feel like you can get in front of things and, um, you can get in front of things and start educating yourself because there's just so much to know and so much I wish I would have known. But, you know, it happened how it was supposed to happen. But the it's called, yeah, her business is called The Natural Way Birthing Project. And she hosts a free virtual community childbirth education course. And her name is Nakia Lawson. Um, and her co instructor is Mahalia Sidibe, I think. Um, but if I remember, I'm going to put this information in the show notes um, because it really, truly is what changed the trajectory of how my labor, I'm not going to say changed it, but it definitely influenced um, how all of that went down. Um, so plot twist, yes, I had a C-section. I am one of the 70 something percent of women um, who have had a C-section and that's a whole nother conversation. So I'm going to try to focus on just getting through the pregnancy story because it does get kind of lengthy. But anywho, yes, August started preparing my body, drinking my raspberry leaf tea. Um, if you've seen it, it's in it's in all drugstores. I mean, drugstores, grocery stores, it's everywhere. Um, but it helps like with your uterus. And so the more you drink it, the more like, I'm not gonna say like relax, but maybe relax your uterus gets. Anyways, it, it aids like menstruation and menstruation is like your uterus contracting and that is also what happens during birth. Um, and so I was like amping up on that. I started drinking that really like when I was seven months. Um, then I reached out to my doula and I was like, like what I need to be doing. She was like, you need to go and start eating your dates, a few dates here and there. You need to like, everybody is like, you need to be walking and doing all these things. And I was doing it um, because like I knew I had a way I envisioned my birth. And so we started that early August. Early August, we also unpacked all the stuff from our four baby showers and organized, finalized organizing her nursery and just trying. We started getting things ready for the house, but that was like a slow progression. Plot twist, nothing was ready when it needed to be ready. Like <laughs> we didn't early August, we didn't pack our bags. We didn't like clean the house and go to the grocery. We saved all of that up until Thursday, August 19th when I went into labor. But anywho, um, like, 
Yeah, I did get my hair braided though. That was important. And that definitely helped with me being successful during and after. And so August 19th or well, August 18th, that Wednesday, like, so people kind of talk about it, but people kind of don't. But sex while you're pregnant is a great thing unless your doctor tells you otherwise. Like, hmm, sorry for all of my family members who are listening that didn't know I had sex until I ended up pregnant. But anywho, (laughs) I saw this meme. It was like, dang, the only thing about being pregnant, it says something. It was like, basically like, dang, now my parents know I have sex. And yes, I truly felt like that. I was like, oh my God, Scarlet Letter. But anywho, um, sex is good while you're pregnant. Um, (laughs) I'm going to get into the specifics, but Number one, it helps with oxytocin, like the love drug, love hormone. You need that present. Like baby feels, baby feels everything you feel throughout the entire pregnancy. Um, and then like two, like you're also just you're connecting with your your partner. Um who, you know, that's that's your person. For me, like Carlos was my person. And although he was not getting sex all throughout like he was very understanding because I just I was it was me it was me um I never had doctor's orders even though there was a point where my um I had partial placenta previa and I think I talked about that on a um, prior episode but basically like my placenta was um partially covering my cervix and you know like you need your cervix to be like open or nothing in the way so the baby can get out of the joint. But anywho, um, typically during pregnancy, the placenta can move around and it can, it starts low and then it ends up moving high, like when the, as the baby grows, but they don't tell you that. Like my doctor was trying to scare me or whatever. But if you have something happening like that, or like you need a cerclage or something like that, you can't, um, you, you're, you're advised not to have sex or you're advised not to have like penetrative sex, um, intercourse, like you can do other things, but anywho, we weren't really having sex until the end, like something just clicked in me and I was like, I am sexy, 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 and I wanted sex, but, um, so yeah, I was, trying to be intentional about it, even though this sounds, will sound eh. Um, I was just trying to make sure we were having sex at least like once a week. (laughs) And believe it or not, that was a lot for me to do. And, um, but during like those last few weeks, I was like, yeah, let me, (laughs) what's the news? I'm a riding like a rodeo. Yeah. That's what I was doing that Wednesday night that had me waking up at 4 a.m. to some cramps. Like, I was like, ooh, like, you know, cramps that wake you up obviously are a little strong. And so I woke up at 4 a.m. and I was just cramping, but I didn't think anything of it. 7 a.m., I was like, okay, it's time to get out of bed because that's around the time that Bean would wake up and be ready to go outside. Um, I'm mad at him right now. He just, he pooped in my office earlier. But anywho. Um, that's around the time he wakes up. So I get up and I go to the bathroom like I always do. And I wipe and there's like this mucusy blood that I wiped. And I'm like, 
oh snap oh snap for some reason or not for some reason i was well like informed about the process and like the different types of blood that you can experience while you're pregnant light bright blood is I'm not going to say bad. It's just a sign. All blood, you should call your provider. But light, bright blood typically um, signifies like something, something is continuously bleeding. Something is actively bleeding. Dark blood is like old blood, leftover blood that's like coming down from somewhere. Well, the you know, from out of you. Um, and it was, it was darkish, but it was mucusy. And it wasn't like my underwear weren't, um, they weren't saturated in blood. And I wasn't like actively like bleeding, but there was blood and I was excited. I was very excited. I like told Carlos, I was like, I'm bleeding. Oh my God. I text Autumn. I was like, girl. And I think I text my mom and my sister. And um, I did call my provider. I had an appointment that same day, but I'm just doing my due diligence. And I called the provider um, to let them know. And of course, they go through all of these like questions whenever you call and you're pregnant. Um, there's just like a list of questions they go through to rule out any um, thing that might be severe. Um, and I did mention prior that high blood pressure was a part of my um, birth story or not even just my birth story, but just a part of my pregnancy in general. I had um, up and down blood pressure. It wasn't consistently high. It wasn't consistently low. It was just kind of up and down and all over the place, but definitely was always on my doctor's radar and which was like, that's their job. Um, and I had never really ever taken my blood pressure or thought about my blood pressure prior to being pregnant. And so, yeah, it was up and down. So I was like on a blood pressure monitoring program where I would take my blood pressure at home and through this app, it would automatically like send what my blood pressure was through this app to my doctor or to the people that were on call. And if it was over where it should be, they would call me and we would go through all these questions and um but it was never to the extent during my pregnancy that i needed to go in but if you didn't know high blood pressure um is a sign of preeclampsia um and there's some other symptoms too like constant headaches you're seeing stars you know like if you like stare at a light too long or you like close your eyes and you see those like blotches of lights if you're seeing stars um swelling those are signs of preeclampsia um as well and if you have just one of them you know they're asking these questions because that's something that can be life-threatening to you and or your baby but anywho so I called and I was like girl <laughs> I see some blood and she's asking me all the questions and stuff and she's excited for me because it was I was 39 weeks and um well, I was 39 weeks and two days then, or one day, when that morning when I called. Um, yeah. And um, so she also, she's a labor and delivery nurse. So she knows, like, this is a sign that labor is coming. And so she was, you know, very lighthearted and excited. And I also had an appointment with my midwife scheduled that day. Um, my midwife worked at... Um, 
Kaiser, my doctor's office. She wasn't like a um, home birth midwife. She was a, um, I think, yeah, a certified nurse midwife who works in, with an establishment. But anywho, so my appointment was at nine and that was like around seven. So we just kind of like got ready for the doctor. I was still feeling the cramps and I'm just like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I was excited. Then I was like, all right, let's go. Went to the doctor, got my blood pressure checked, (laughs) y'all. It was high. It was like 154 over 90. And a good, decent blood pressure is below 130, um, definitely below, well below 150. Um, But the top number would be below 130 and the bottom number is less than 100. And I don't remember... Yeah, it was in the 90s, my bottom number, but my top number, I remember it was 154. And they were like, no, ma'am, no ham, no Pam, go to the hospital. Because Kaiser here in Georgia, they don't have, um, they just have like the the doctors. Um, They don't have like the facilities where you give birth or have surgery. So they're partnered with um, other hospitals here, Northside and Emory, who handle all of that. But the doctors that work, the doctors and physicians that work at Kaiser, they travel to these hospitals to perform whatever it is that they need. That's a whole other conversation getting into like that whole system. But anywho, she was like, everything is looking fine. You're fine. And while things are still fine, I want you to just go to the hospital so that you can be monitored. And I was semi like excited because I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, um, I'm watching the baby monitor. Demi just woke up. Um, let me see if she's going to go back to sleep. She's still sleepy. But anywho, she was like, yeah, go so you can be monitored. Like y'all are, you're, you're in a good place. And like, I had surpassed like the cutoff or the, the, the goal you want to reach to your baby being full term. Um, typically they say like full term starts around 37 weeks, but you want your baby to bake as long as your baby wants to bake. Um, but at 37 weeks, I believe the lungs are a little bit more developed than before. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess they develop as each day goes, but yeah, full term though is 40 weeks. And then, but like, overdue overterm is 42 weeks and so it was just confusing because it was like not confusing but they were like 42 weeks um yeah no we don't like when people go that far so you'll be induced 40 weeks you're like ah this is optimal and then like 37 weeks is like "Mm, it's early but you know we can do what we got to do but your baby honestly is gonna come when your baby wants to come so be prepared Anywho, she was like, you're, you're in a good place. Like go. And I was like, oh yeah. But then I was also like, uh, no, like I'm supposed to be laboring at home with my doula. Like I have this all planned out. Like we were going to go get some, um, food and like snacks to have at the house at Target after I left the doctor. We had already like bought a few things. I bought my vomit bags. They were at the house or they were being delivered that day. Y'all was stressed. She was like, and I was like, do I have time to like go to Target? I need to go to the house. I haven't packed my bag. And she was like, no, you need to go there. You can, anything can happen. Your blood pressure is really high right now. You need to be being consistently monitored. Looking back, honestly, I wish I would have just come home and 
consistently monitored my own blood pressure because when I was taking my blood pressure at home, it was significantly lower than when I was getting my blood pressure um, taken at the doctor's office. And yeah, like white coat syndrome is a real thing. I don't care who says it isn't, but it is. Um, and so, yeah, I should have did that in hindsight. I should have did that. I should have done it. I should have done it. But no, I went to the doctor. And the longer you're at the doctor, the or the earlier you're at the doctor, the longer you're there while you're laboring, the more prone you are to a cascade of interventions. And they intervene for many things. Number one, I feel like some of them ain't got nothing else to do. Number two, it's money. And number three, they trying to get you out their bed so they can have somebody else in that bed. Because once we got to the hospital, like it wasn't just no like quick check in, go to your room, like blah, 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 labor. No, we had to wait hours. And I mean, several hours for us to be put into like the room where I would labor and deliver. And so... On the way to the hospital, Carlos and I are arguing because we haven't eaten. Emotions are just everywhere. We're like, what is going on? Because I'm still, y'all. I've been calling them cramps, but I was contracting. I was contracting. And you want to know how? I know because when I got to the, um, well, actually rewind. At the doctor's office, I did get a cervical check. I declined all cervical checks before 39 weeks um, because they'll start checking your cervix the closer you get, like starting at 37 weeks because you're going to the doctor weekly and they'll offer to check your cervix so that you can know how far dilated you are. But I didn't want to know early because I didn't want to be focused on a number. I didn't want this number in my head. I didn't want to think about it. I just wanted my body to do what it was designed to do. And so, but I did get a cervical check at this appointment because it was just like, it was time. <clears throat> if I hadn't seen the blood, I would be like, eh, whatever. But um, she checked and it hurt. It hurt. It hurt. It hurt. It hurt. Like I was literally like in tears when she, and I was like, if this hurt, what the, what, what else you want me to do? What? No. So she checked and I was only one centimeter, y'all, one centimeter. And I just knew I was like ready to drop Demi up out the thing. But no, I was only one centimeter. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that was just a rewind. But yeah, we're but as we're like going through the day and the appointment, I'm still feeling them. They didn't do a stress test, a stress test. They can like see your actual contractions happening. They didn't do that. Um, I didn't want to do that because the stress test is communicating like with the baby as well. And so, but I knew, I knew, I knew I was contracting. I did. And then, because when we got to Emory and we had to do the long little wait or whatever, um, I had to use the bathroom. And guess what happened? My mucus plug came out. You're probably like, what the hell? How is mucus in your cootie? Yeah. So all throughout a woman's pregnancy, mucus um, builds to like close, keep the cervix like protected um, because like things can go in your vagina, um, toys, fingers, 
male private parts or not. Um, but things can go into your vagina like um, while you're pregnant and they have the ability, you know, to cause infection. And so the mucus plug is basically this protection to your cervix um, to help all bacteria and icky stuff stay out. Although some things can still pass through. Um, and so while I was at the doctor and I peed, mine came out and y'all mind you, I'm like almost 10 months pregnant, big belly trying to squat over the toilet with a maxi dress on. And I feel something thick, like coming out of me. And at this point, like I know everything that's, I don't know everything, but I just know all these different steps that are, you know, signs of labor. And so my big old butt is like in the bathroom, trying not to touch anything turning around with a mask on too to see what just fell out of me and it looked like the mucus but it looks it looks like literally like a little ball of like snot and I was like oh my god this is it this is it I almost forgot to wash my hands because I was like ready to tell Carlos and I was ready to call my mama so now we have a guest with us who has arrived from their nap. You see that? You're touching it. It's a microphone. You gonna say something? Say something. She'll probably start screaming because she's been like yelling a lot lately. <laughs> and she's touching it. It's okay. Um, here, let's give you another toy. You're hungry? You just ate. But you can eat again. Um, so yeah, at that point I knew, like I knew, and I was, I was thrilled. I honestly was very happy. Um, but we still ended up like having to wait a minute, um, before getting our room. So we then decided because we both were very hungry, one of us very hangry, that we would go to number one pay for parking over the next few days and then two there you go you talking it was time for us to get something to eat so <laughs> i think she knows this is a microphone um good job so we decide that we're gonna go get jimmy john's and instead of, you know, just like getting it delivered, first Carlos doesn't like food being delivered. Um, we walked because like, what better time to walk like than now? And that was not a great decision <laughs> at all. I was tired. I, lit I literally have like video footage of us walking and having to stop because I was having contractions and it was hot and I had on these Louis Vuitton sandals that my best friend bought me <laughs> that were not made for walking, honey. No, not that type of walking. Um, but yeah, we ended up going to Jimmy John's, um, walking there and then we Ubered back because like, no, if the walk there was miserable, the walk back honey no so part two of our labor and delivery stories that we ubered 
we ended up making it back to the hospital in a room still wasn't ready at this point i had eaten and then we still sat there and we were waiting and you know me customer service or you probably don't know me but hmm, i'm not here for bad customer service i'm not here to be waiting i'm not no i'm not here for any of that and i knew because i told y'all i have been researching I was paying for this shit, like, and it's not cheap. With insurance, it still is not cheap, unless you got Medicaid, it's free. <sighs> That's a whole nother conversation. But I knew I was going to be paying for all of this. And so we had been waiting for a very long time. I would say we got to Emory around 11. My doctor's appointment was at 9. We got to Emory around 11. And while we were on the way there, I forgot. Like, I was still cramping. Carlos was hitting all these bumps. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I was still contract. I was contracting. And he was hitting all these damn bumps. And then we also were just kind of like trying to figure out what we wanted to eat. But I couldn't think straight. I was just thinking about, like, I'm about to have a baby. My bag's not packed. Like, what the hell? And he was getting upset with me. It, it just was not good. But anyway, we got there and we were there from 11 and I didn't get in a room until about five o'clock. Um, and it probably would have been longer if I didn't ask like around, like we left to get sandwiches because the woman was like, you know, we'll call you when a room is ready. And I remember there was a, a couple that was there. They got there um right before us like we were checking at the same time but they finished their check-in before us and I came and they had um they were gone so I'm sure they had a room and I was after them and so I'm like what's still taking so long and um I ended up speaking to like the head or the charge nurse or whatever um for that night and um I was like, I've been here and I've been waiting now. I'm happy to go home. Like, I don't have to wait here. Y'all can check my blood pressure and check everything. And if everything checks out fine, like, let me go home. And so, of course, they get me back finally. And I'm like on the monitors and my blood pressure is not like in the place where they felt comfortable letting me go. And I knew that I had rights. Like I could have very well just been like, no, I want to go. And then I would have had to sign ugh, the name of those papers are like I had it in my head. But I would have had to sign some papers saying that I left against like the doctor's recommendation and I left in my own will. And I didn't want to get into any of that because it just wasn't that serious. I mean, it was ser it's serious, but it wasn't that serious. Um, and so I was in like, I forgot what they called the room, but it wasn't the room that I was going to do labor and delivery in. And so I'm hooked up to these machines. Carlos is back there with me. And then at this point, I'm like, you should just go, go ahead and pack, get the dog. I'm texting my friend <laughs> Ashley and I'm like, Hey, I'm going into labor. Like Kim Bean still come stay with you. Cause she had already offered, but we were kind of joking about it. And I, I, fe I felt like I still had time to like formally ask her, <laughs> but anywho, she was ready. And so Carlos had to like come home. I, I hadn't packed anything for Bean and y'all, Bean is my first child. So he had to like, I had to make sure that he got Bean's right 
like his favorite toys, his blanket. He had to take a shirt for me so that Bean can like smell me, just all the things. <laughs> and mind you, Bean was only there for one night, but still, um, I just wanted him to be prepared. And um, so yeah, Carlos left, and he felt it felt like eternity that he was away. It felt like it was it was so long. And Carlos was really the only person that I wanted to talk to. Like I could have sat in the hospital room and called and talked to other people, but I didn't want to talk to anybody or be around anybody except him. And now that I'm like processing everything, like, yeah, that's, that's the feeling that I had. Cause I was just sitting there and I was just like ready for him to be back. Um, I feel like there was a point, like I was just, I was having to advocate for myself um, to the doctors. Like I was hooked up to the machines and the way that the machine was um, checking me, it would, it would check my blood pressure automatically. I think it was like every 15 minutes. Um, And if it was reading too high, then it would beep over and over again until somebody came and like turned it off. Um, And it was just very uncomfortable because like I had um, like a band around my belly and I had the blood pressure cuff on my arm and yeah, I'm in the gown and the, the, it wasn't a mattress. It was kind of like a, a cot cushion that I'm on top of that's like covered with a thin sheet. And then it's like paper on top of, it was just, ugh, eh, eh. and so I couldn't even like, <laughs> the cords weren't even long enough for me to like get up and go to the bathroom. Like it was a mess. But anywho, I survived it. And Carlos finally arrived with, he ended up, like, he was at the house. Like, he had packed, delivered the dog. And mind you, it's, like, traffic in Atlanta. Um, he took the dog out to Riverdale. And then he ended up, he had to go to Target. And he got us, like, all the snacks and stuff we talked about. And he came back. And I was, I was so happy. I was so, so happy. Um, so... Um, but yeah, we were in the room and we weren't supposed to be there in that first room that long, but we didn't end up getting switched to the room, the labor and delivery unit until like 3 a.m. And at that point we had taken turns going to sleep and I had been on the medicine ball. Like the contractions weren't wild where like I couldn't handle it. Like all that was fine. Um, and then we got switched and y'all, I did not know. I'm like, we had to carry all of our stuff. Like they didn't help us. I thought they were going to like have somebody like come help with the bags. No, I was freaking carrying bags and I'm contracting (laughs) y'all, but I went back to have Carlos carry everything by himself. Like, cause I didn't want him to be away from me anymore. Um, yeah, and that's gonna come up more as like the labor and delivery progresses, and then actually, like, postpartum. Like, I just didn't want to be away from him, like, yeah. And so, we finally made it to our room, and we like kind of settled in, whatever that means. And, um, the nurses, y'all, like, 
I knew that the hospital didn't like, you know, it's 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, like they're legit working around the clock. Like somebody was coming in my room like every two to three hours. Like I was like, God damn, it's nighttime. It's bedtime. Let me sleep. And they were trying to go ahead and get the show going. Like um, it was recommended that, you know, I go ahead and be induced because my blood pressure it was just kind of like up and down, up and down, up and down. Nothing like too high off the charts, but it was just up and down, up and down where they were like, no, you can't go back home because I did ask multiple times because I was like my dog. I was literally, I was literally crying. Like y'all know how strongly I feel about my dog based on like the early episodes. But, and if you know me, you know, like being is my heart. And I hadn't had a conversation with Bean. Like, I just, I wasn't ready. And, but, so a lot of emotions were just kind of coming up at this point. And mind you, I'm like 10 months pregnant. And, um, yeah, they told me I couldn't go home. <laughs> uh, unless, you know, I signed the papers. But, no, I wasn't doing that. So, they, we talked about induction and the different options for induction and I knew the different options for induction because of the childbirth course that I took um oh my gosh I cannot remember the woman's name but I'm gonna look really quick because if you are um pregnant I really think you should take this course let's see Beans Grimmer is Um, but I took this course and I probably have already mentioned it before but it really like helped me oh I knew it her name was Nakia but I had the last name I was about to mess the last name up but Nakia Lawson and it is called her business is called The Natural Way BP is probably like the natural way birthing project. Yeah. Um, and she's a birth doula trainer um, and just does a lot like in the birth world. And then her, um, she had a, um, another doula who was helping her with the course. And they were just, it was a, um, she's a doula and she was also a nurse the other woman who was helping her and now I want to know I can't remember her name I can't remember her name but if I like went through all this stuff I could probably find it um dang no no it's okay actually let's see I'm gonna click on this pdf It's okay. Oh, the rain is coming down. Um, but yeah, so that course really, truly prepared me and like equipped me with so much knowledge, so much practical knowledge. Like it was, yeah, that was just a beautiful experience. It was, um, it was two times a week for two weeks. So I think it was, yeah, it was like four classes 
and I took it. I wish I would have found out about it way earlier because I feel like I took it too late. I took it the first week of August and I just wasn't really able to like digest the information well enough. Um, I felt like I was, yeah, it was the night before the exam and I was studying the night before. But anywho, we went through in that class, like the different induction methods. And so when the doctor was talking about them, I already knew, I already knew. And I knew I didn't want Pitocin right away. Um, and yeah, I didn't want to be induced at all, but I knew my blood pressure and I wanted baby to come safely, safely, like, at this point, that's why I'm like, I've done my part. I've carried her. I've advocated for her and for myself and for what my wants, needs, and wishes are. Um, but at this point, like, let's do what we need to do to get her here. And that was just my focus. Like, that was my focus. And I was, I think about it now and I'm just like, I don't know. I kind of blame myself. Plot, well, plot twist or to tell you the, how the story ends um I did have a c-section and like I don't know I, I had a I struggled a lot um with just thinking about the different moments during my labor that I could have done something differently to have prevented it but also at the same time I was like, my goal was to get the baby here healthy and safely. And then also at the same time, I was like, C-section is always an option for everybody. It's always an option. And I just hate that there's such a bad stigma around C-sections, even though that's a whole nother conversation because y'all got women who are out here. I'm not going to tell y'all what, what color women's, but y'all could probably guess, but people legit be having elective C-sections. Like, they're just like, uh-uh, schedule this shit, schedule it, schedule it. But that wasn't me. Um, I kind of miss my baby now that I'm talking about her. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I knew the different induction methods and I ended up going with the Foley balloon induction. So basically what it is, they stick a balloon, not like, you know, a regular balloon, but stick a balloon up the canal, like hitting the cervix. And at this point there, it's not with just fingers. And then they fill the water while it's inside of you they fill the water with I mean they fill the balloon with water and so the pressure between your birth canal or in your the 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 end of your canal like the opening where the baby comes out and the balloon is in the middle and then on top of the balloon is your cervix and so it's pushing up against your um cervix helping it open Mind you, but your, your cervix has to be open or opening um, for it to come through. Um, I did end up taking um, a medicine to soften my cervix more because that helped. I can't remember. I don't remember if it was Cervidil. I don't remember what the name of the medication was. But I ended up taking um, medicine to help with that, to soften the cervix. Um, to help with the balloon opening and, um, y'all, yeah, the balloon pain, like you would think like, oh, 
no, it hurt. It hurt so bad. Like whenever they would have to come in and like, because the balloon would be moving because it should be like pushing up against an opening. So it's like, you know, deflating, I guess. Um, and so they would have to come in and like push it back up to keep pushing it. And oh my gosh, it would hurt so bad. It would hurt so bad. It would hurt so bad. And it came to the point, like at this point, the balloon and the contractions were just like going and it was working. And it was, it was at this point, it's like, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Feeling like, mm, ah, ooh, mm. like, yeah, I'm feeling it. My doula is like up giving me massages. Oh, she, she came, she arrived the, the, the morning, that morning, um, that Friday morning she arrived and mind you, I had been started labor when, um, like early that morning, probably like between four and 7 a.m. And so I had been in labor all that day. And then she came that Friday to the hospital. And so, yeah, she's giving me massages, helping Carlos give me massages. And Carlos is like, you know, talking, singing, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear none of that shit. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, at this point, no, because there's something inside of me and I feel it inside of me because there's a part of it that was kind of like hanging out and it was like taped to the inside of my leg. And yeah, the contractions are contracting me. And so, um, I'm gonna take a sip. So like it got towards that evening and they were still able to like check how far along I was dilating and I think after that entire day <laughs> with the balloon in me, or not even entire, like the actual daytime, um, towards that evening, I got to about five centimeters. Um, and yeah, it was, it was stress. It was, it was stress. And so um, at this point, I'm like having conversations about getting the balloon taken out and doing a different option because it just, it was truly intensifying, intensifying the contractions. And I don't know what I was expecting. Now that I'm saying this out loud, like I knew it was going to hurt, but it was hurting. Like the inside of my, everything was hurting. <laughs> like it was just hurt. Like it was just pain. It was just so uncomfortable. Like, and I say pain, like, I don't know, I guess up until having a baby, I just thought about pain differently, but it was just the most uncomfortable, like, ugh, whatever. Like I wanted the balloon out. Um, and right when they were, um, getting ready or no, they weren't, this was, I keep getting, that's why I should have took notes down. Um, prior to that conversation, my water broke. My water broke while I was in the hospital um, and I was back excited. And then the contractions after the water broke, like the contractions were then still like on, yeah, like they had increased. It was just like leveling up all day or over the course of just those two days. Like it was, yes. Mm, 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 mm. My water broke. Um, and, but when they came to wipe up my water that was, on the floor um it was kind of greenish brownish like a greenish brownish tint and if you know anything about childbirth that's a sign that 
meconium is present in your was present in your um in the sack and so what that means meconium is like baby poop and so that means demi had pooped in the womb and we don't know how long it had been in there but yeah once the water broke we were able to see that Uh uh-oh and she's awake and I kind of want to go give her a hug. So I'm going to pause this. So the last part three of the labor and delivery story that's been very choppy. Like all of these parts were recorded at different times. Um, my co-host is still here with me. So if you hear them chime in, if you hear her chime in, just yay. But yes, yeah, so the meconium was there. Um, and at this point, it's kind of like there are, it, it's like time is like ticking, but, you know, there's still like a chance that, you know, you can just let your baby in this process like flow and happen for itself. And so I, knowing that there was meconium still in the womb, I was like, let's just still like give it a chance and let's continue to monitor um, so I was being monitored. Um, I advocated for myself in the hospital because the first few monitors they had me on, they were like hooked up to a machine where I wasn't able to like move or get out of the bed. And I know like from the beginning, like if you are stationary, like, which is why a lot of hospital births result, not all, but a lot too many result in c-sections is because you're in the hospital you're like tied to this bed like they want you to be in bed like you are a sick person now there are some people who need to be in the bed due to different conditions but i was not one of those people um but i knew that they needed to monitor my blood pressure because it just it needed to be monitored and so She's telling her side of the story because this, they also, yes, needed to monitor the baby to see how my blood pressure was impacting, like, her. Um, and so, um, after we got to, like, our room room, I requested that they go look because I learned in the childbirth education class taught by Nikia that hospitals do have um, wireless monitoring systems. And and I remember that. And so I asked, I was like, hey, I need to get off these wires because I need to be up moving and helping my body like do this work. Like I need to, I mean, my body is doing the work and no, it wasn't. We both had to work together, but I needed mind and body to be on one accord and so I was like I need this and she was like my nurse was like well we'll we'll check to see and so they found them and then they were like well we don't have any batteries and I was like can you please find some batteries for me and so they did and so at this point I could move around a little bit more freely and whatnot um and it was funny because I guess like the whatever in my voice they had the backup one we had both and so there was one that was on me 
Um, and then there was another one that they had like charging in my room to like switch it out or another battery or whatever. And so I was able to move. I was able to be on my ball. I was able to like go to the bathroom and like walk around. And at this point with the balloon, everything was just so gross. I wasn't wearing any underwear (laughs) because like the way that the balloon was, they had to like tape the bottom part of it to the inside of my leg. Um, And they also, you know, were doing the checks. And so it was just stuff like coming out of me like the whole time. I was like, this is so nasty. This was the only time I did not want my little cootie kitty to be wet because it was just nasty. It was pretty gross. But um, it was also like beautiful, like in the same sense, because it's like this, my body is like doing this work. And I'm like walking around like as somebody who's never really felt comfortable being in the nude like I'm like walking around like nude well really like no pants no shirt on um I had on my own tank top oh and that's another thing um you can wear your own clothes like you can wear your own clothes and I put on my own clothes like I did I didn't give birth in my own clothes because I had to do surgery but um I labored in my own clothes and it truly made a difference and so, yeah, up moving around. Um, and at this point, it's getting later in the day. And my, like, blood pressure was still kind of not consistent, not as consistent as they wanted it to be. or And even I wanted it to be because, like, at this point, I was very informed about, like, blood pressures and whatnot. Um, and also, at this point, like... Demi's heart rate was like kind of up and down, but nothing too alarming. But you can tell that it was being impacted. Yeah, it was. And so they did another check. And I was like, look, if I'm not where I need to be at this point, we're going to take this off and you're going to give me the the Pitocin. Like, yeah. Um, And so, hey, little mama. Um, they checked and when they checked, I was at seven and a half, almost eight centimeters is what she said. And I was like, thank you, Lord. And like shortly after that, the like water to the balloon or when, no, when they pulled it, the balloon came out. So the water, I'm assuming was just like gushing was one of the like fluids that was gushing out of me mixed with like other bodily fluids the whole time. Um, she's like being a busybody, which is why I'm like, I want to record this and have this be my own time. But Carlos is working and being can't babysit quite yet. But anywho, um, but yeah, it came right out. And so they were like, girl, like, this is beautiful. This is good. And so at this point, it's like up to my body to do the rest of the work. Um, again, like, yeah. Um, so I had had a few medications up until this point, but not an epidural. And so, but the contractions were getting y'all like, yeah, the contractions were really, really strong, really, really strong. Um, it was like, I feel like I wasn't even like, I can think back to it, but thinking back to it, I wasn't. I wasn't like in my body like I was elsewhere like the whole entire time like 
I was elsewhere. Um, so the balloon, to kind of put a time on it, the balloon was kind of done around like six because it was the evening because the ships were about to change. It was either six, between six and eight. It was done. The balloon was done. And I was, you know, doing it on my own. But they were, the contractions were intense. Dula was there supporting me. And Carlos was like holding my hand. Um, I'm in the bed. Um, for some reason, I think I did have an IV in me. And it might have just been like fluids. Because if I'm not mistaken, like, I don't remember that part. But all I remember is that going through the night so you can like modify shape the hospital bed many different ways and I didn't know that and so my doula was asking me like in what position did I feel most comfortable and I was like I just want to like I need to like sit down like I really couldn't explain it but she morphed that bed to what I needed to be I was like sitting um like torso and like my lap was at 90 degrees but my feet were like lifted but not like laid out like kind of like my feet were on a stool and I was like sitting and from that I just remember I was in that position all night all night I ended up going to sleep which is another sign that your body is about to make like the next transition um into labor and so I went to sleep and like the rest like I don't really remember I just remember going through the night and I remember waking up um but it wasn't quite morning because there was no sun and your girl got the epidural (laughs) I got the epidural because I mean nobody has to justify why they choose it um but I got it for myself because I was tired. I was exhausted. And I can tell that Carlos was exhausted. I knew my doula was exhausted. Um, And it was, it was just time. And so, well, it was, it was time. Little mama, little mama, Demi, what are you doing? Um, so yeah, I was, I just, I wanted to, like, I went to sleep, but it wasn't like a pain-free sleep. Like I was sleeping, but I was like waking up and then I was sleeping and then I was, ah, my computer. I was sleeping and then I, yeah, on and off. It wasn't true rest, but I wanted to truly rest. So I got the epidural. Um, they came in and did that. That's a whole different team that like comes in your room to do that. And they inform you of all the things and you like sign a paper and everything and I got it and y'all like oh it felt good the only part that didn't feel good about it um the epidural can cause like some people to itch um and I was very itchy very very itchy but also like drugged out (laughs) I was um actually rerunning before I even got the epidural I got um there's other pain medication that you can get and that's not administered like with all the layers that the epidural is and um I got fentanyl like yeah yes fentanyl yes I did I got that as pain medication no I do not have a drug problem or nobody in my family immediate family that I know of um well I'm saying that I know of in like my major whatever 
<laughs> um, so yeah, I got that. And I needed more. I needed more for sure. Um, which is why I went on and got the epidural, which allowed me to rest. Um, but it did not have my body or it wasn't she is making the most noise. <laughs> so finally like finishing this out, got the epidural. Y'all, I was like relaxed. And uh, once you get an epidural, people don't tell you this, but you have to get like a catheter. Like, I don't know if it's the full thing is like a urine catheter, but the catheter is like attached to your urethra um, because it's making sure something, something. I can't remember the exact words, but you end up, you you have all these, you're, ugh, they hook you up like a fluid IV for like to make sure your body is like pumping fluids or whatever. We all know that you need to be like hydrated, like on a very basic level. But I think with this process, you have to be like even more hydrated with just like birth in general. Um, but then once they start giving you like certain medications, like, yeah. And so with that, um, there's something I can't really remember, and this is not helping me be super informative, but it can give you a question to ask, but there's something that happens. I asked the question when I was giving birth, but I can't remember, but there's something that happens where like you, it helps you use the bathroom. And so they like, ugh, thinking about it just like makes me cringe with pain because I like prolonged it for a minute and um no there is something else too that you have to get a catheter catheter for honestly i think y'all don't be mad at me but my my mind is fuzzy but i think with the foley balloon i had to get a catheter too i think i can't remember when the catheter came i can't remember but if i remember i will add that in um, or I'll look it up and add in the notes, but no promises. <laughs> but anywho, it's like you're peeing, it's like a pee bag. And it's like, you don't even know you're peeing. Excuse me. Well, you can feel it at certain points, but for the most part, you don't know. And like, I was really nervous about it. I was, I was really nervous. I'm not going to say who had this experience because... <laughs> They're very close to me, but I know someone who got an infection after having the urine catheter and like had to go back to the hospital. I forgot exactly what she was sick with, but she was very, very sick, very, very ill. Um, but thankfully, I didn't get any infections or anything. Everything happened fine. Like once I got the catheter removed, it was very hard for me to like pee. It was... Ugh. Eh, eh. and I had to like pee in a bowl because they wanted to like measure to see how much I was gonna pee it was it was what anyways um so yeah I got the epidural and next thing you know I'm like I um went to sleep like fully deep sleep felt good and it wasn't even the fact that I wasn't moving that was like playing a part in like why baby wasn't coming down um it was 
we like did a check and my contractions were irregular. Um, and cause that you can like see the contractions on the little computer screen thing or monitor that they had and they were irregular. And so while I was asleep, um, my doula was watching them and she always also was like watching like the baby's like heart rate. And, um, whenever I would have a contraction, like my baby's heart rate would shoot up. And then like there were parts, um, to like during, while I was asleep, while she was looking at it, um, her heart rate was, um, also like dropping like really low. Like it was just up and down, like super extremes. And when she told me that, and like, I trust my doula, still trust my doula to this day. Um, I was just like, all right, let me talk to Jesus. (laughs) Let me talk to Carlos. (laughs) Let me talk to my body. Like we need to figure out like what's going to be next step. Because like I said, I was fine. Like knowing that the baby was okay. I was like, I was like, okay, we'll just let things happen. And which a part of me in the future, I can still do that. Um, if I choose to have another child, because you know, you, when you know more, you can make better informed decisions. But anywho, um, where was I going? So yeah, that was like, early early in the morning when all of that was happening when I woke up like very early and so I asked them to give me like some time and I asked that a lot actually throughout our stay there I like would be like when there were times for me to like make different decisions um I would instead of giving them an answer in the moment I would be like, I need a minute. And then I realized like, okay, the nurse would like go and then she would come back like in 10 minutes. And then, so I began to like tell her like, actually like, I need for no one to come in. Like, I don't want anyone to come into the room for like the next hour. Um, And I think for this situation, I asked for a few hours um, to just process everything that had been going on, really get my doulas, um, raw input with no one around um have a one-on-one conversation with Carlos like my doula ended up stepping out so that we could talk and just like me centering in like on myself and so it was decided well I decided for a few reasons to go ahead and have a c-section at this point it was quote unquote an elective c-section because I asked for it but um because the baby's heart rate was like up and down up and down I was exhausted and no good but I don't think that really didn't play a part into it because I was still willing to go but the baby's heart rate was like the number one thing that was like she's still good and she's still safe and she's still healthy right now like let me get my baby out of stress like let's just go ahead and do it and there's and then the third reason before I go into the next point was that I could tell that Carlos was exhausted and checking out. Like, yeah, he began to check out on me the that Saturday, like late night, early morning when I was having like the really, really rough contractions. Like at this point, it's day three. And yeah. He'll say that, like, he didn't check out, but now, like, he did. At least is what it felt in my end. Like, 
I would look over. I'm like on bed, going through hell. Like, and he's like over, like this man was like working out, making healthy snacks, like whatever. And I get it. Everybody was processing where we were in the moment very differently. My doula was very hands-on when I wanted her to be, but she also just kind of would recognize like my like different verbal cues, things that I would say, and like my body, my physical body cues to to know when to come in, embrace, when to say things. She was she's just I want to be like her when I grow up. Um yeah. Shout out to Simply Zuri Birthwork. She also makes really nice teas and tinctures and foot foot soaks and um, sea moss, a lot of things. She like made sure I was like good with the things that she had to offer. But then also she was recommending a lot of things. Like I mentioned like the raspberry leaf tea. She she has one. Um, And then um, she recommends that I take other things too, like nettle leaf. and I was taking like an iron supplement. I was, yeah, she was great. Um, but she was recognizing those things. And I don't think that she checked out at any point. Um, but I did know that she had been there with us like overnight. And like <laughs> she has her own family and kids to go to. And so I, I factored that into my decision as well even though she would have done whatever um but yeah so I decided that morning um we were up we were up really early but I made my decision around like 9 30 9 45 maybe that um I was like let's go ahead and do the c-section and so um like they didn't fight me or anything honestly the doctor's um, they were very patient with me because I was just kind of like just weighing all my options all the time. And I was constantly advocating for myself and they were receptive to that. I'll talk about my like healthcare providers that I saw throughout the pregnancy in a different episode and what that experience was like. And I'll talk more in depth about this later too, but they were very receptive and like were welcoming you know, me asking a lot of questions and me needing to process. My nurses, on the other hand, <laughs> um, but, you know, people have good days, people have bad days. Um, and yeah, and like the nurse who um, stuck the catheter in me in the wrong place. But I'll talk about that in another episode too, because it really impacted once my baby was delivered. I'll say now it wasn't, it was a um, IV. She stuck it in like the crevice of my arm. So like in my joint. Um, And so once I had my baby and I had to keep picking up my baby and putting my baby down, like I'm like smushing and moving the IV. And so then this alarm is going off because they're like, ooh, trying to take your IV off. And then people kept coming in and then it got to a point that it was going off so much that they stopped coming in the room. And so I had to listen to the noise, just me and the baby and Carlos was sleeping. <laughs> um, and so it came to a point. Actually, no, I think Carlos had stepped out. Um, but it had come to a point where I was like, y'all need to move this. Like they weren't even going to move it. They just kept coming in, turning the alarm off. And I was like, whatever. They knew. 
And then the the mother and baby unit nurse, she told me that that was put in incorrectly. She was like, it's an easy spot, um, which is why like some nurses go for that spot, but it's not practical. And I was like, thank you. Anywho, but like I was saying, the doctors were very welcoming of just me asking questions and me processing everything out loud and me needing time, um, but my nurses were not. And so um, I had came to a decision and mind you, I, I have never been in a hospital setting for anything really and like for myself and definitely I have not been in a hospital setting over the course, course of many days. So the shift changes and schedule, like, oh my gosh, the shift changes so much. It changes so much. And so you're like meeting new people like so often. Um, but anywho, I knew that the person um, who was working with me like overnight, the the actual doctor, um, the actual, she was, I think she was an OB. Um and or yeah she was an ob she was a very patient very meek and mild lady um but she was telling me she was like i'm gonna stay until because i was like i need some time to make my decision and i think she was supposed to leave at like 7 a.m but she didn't end up leaving until um around 9 a.m when i made my decision because she was like i'm gonna stay um to see this through and you know to make sure that she could communicate holistically with the next doctor about me like in in where I was with the process and so she did that and um then after that the the shift changed again and then another um OB came in and another nurse and blah 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 and then they just came in and say well you're having a c-section then they sent the surgeon in then they sent the anesthesia team and like all these people to just introduce themselves which is like great but whatever um and y'all I think I said like I said I made the decision between 9 30 and 9 45 baby girl was born at 10 9 a.m like it happened fast like they came in they told me to take off all my jewelry like before they transported me and then they gave Carlos his little like scrub outfit and I have a picture of him he was like very excited I think because it was just something different happening but then also too because we were closer to baby um and so he put his stuff on and they rolled me out and the they had music playing in the OR um, the anesthesia guy, like that's what took the longest, um, for my anesthesia for them to do all of that and checking to make sure everything was good to go. Um, everybody was kind of introducing themselves to me. The surgeon, the lead surgeon was a Hispanic man. Um, and pretty much everybody else on his team was black. Um, not that that meant anything. <laughs> then I got my new, yeah I'll tell y'all why and then I got my new nurse she was a part of that process and she was amazing I'll talk about her in another episode as well she was absolutely amazing um I need to like send her a Christmas card or well she was a traveling nurse so um yeah they came in and they were like talking to me and then next thing you know I wasn't feeling parts of my body and then they were like you ready and I was like let's do it and Carlos is right there and I gave Carlos the rundown I was like the baby you keep your eyes on the baby as soon as she comes out you keep your eyes on her I'm not going to be able to get up I'm not going to be able to move or do anything and so I need you doing that making sure that she doesn't leave your sight 
like in just in case anything didn't go or just in case everything didn't go as expected and I maybe needed to like stay in the OR a little bit longer and whatever. I was like, you don't let the baby leave your side. You can leave me, but don't let the baby leave your side. Um, and he did just that, even though he was way more focused on me than he was the baby. Um, and yeah, so I guess I won't leave a, a teaser. <laughs> um, it took them all of like 10 minutes to complete the surgery. Um, and she was born and, um, I remember like I felt all the tugging and stuff. And then when she came out, um, I kind of don't remember what the doctors were saying. I think I was just so focused on hearing the cry and she came out and she cried like, but it wasn't like a win. It was just an eh. And then I didn't hear anything else. And I was like, is she good? And they were like, yeah, she's good. She's a big baby. And I was like, does she have hair? And I was like, yes, a lot of it. I said, 10 fingers, 10 toes. And they were like, yep. And they were just like, congratulations. Like, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, happy birthday, baby. And all these things. And then um, the nurse, I don't know if she was a nurse, actually. But there was a person that was specifically there to get the baby after she came out to check her, weigh her and everything. Oh, they did hold her up over the little film thing that was covering my view. And y'all, Demi was like so swollen. I mean, of course she was full of all the fluids they were pumping into me, plus like the fluids that she's been living in for almost 10 months. Um, and she had poop. She was blue and she had poop all on the side of her like you could see it like it was literally like greenish blackish poop like all on the side of her head full of hair these like I remember like how round and like chunky her fingers were like oh my gosh um and then like after they showed me her they passed her off and then Carlos went over and was like with them while they were checking her out and and it was just I don't know it was it was much better than I thought that it was going to go, but I think that's because a lot of C-sections you hear about, they are emergency C-sections, which are completely different situations than what my situation was. I'm thankful that like I didn't have to have an emergency C-section where, you know, they put me to sleep and like all these different things like I'm grateful that Carlos was able to be in there because there are some c-sections where the dad can't be in there I'm grateful that my baby didn't have to like go to the NICU like after because of them needing to check certain things out and blah 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 like there are there were many routes that it could have gone like many routes and it didn't I thank God that it, it went according to <laughs> with his 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 way I'm I'm so grateful that it wouldn't go like y'all I was <laughs> I've never prayed so hard in my life as much as I've prayed these last during those these last 15 months because I was pregnant for 10 months and Demi is almost five months and because I just there's just like I said there are so many so many routes like pregnancy and birth can go um I was just like on my phone while I was um making lunch and in one of the mom's groups on Facebook, like a lot of posts, you believe it or not, will say like trigger warning at the top and then followed by 
like I'm miscarrying or uh, this is my rainbow baby and I'm nervous. I don't know what to do or I lost my baby to this or I'm currently in the hospital due to this or I can't do. It's just so it's so much. And I thank God like for just keeping me like keeping me and keeping my baby um, and keeping Carlos throughout this process and keeping being because they're the people who really kept me coming going like like I said it could have went so many ways but God but God <laughs> I'm getting teary-eyed and so sometimes I, I beat myself up <laughs> over the decision that I made to have a c-section sometimes I find myself you know asking well like why couldn't my body like go through it um it's so funny now that I'm thinking about it I left out a critical piece so <laughs> I'm gonna go back um, I left out a very critical piece and I'm not into like editing my audio piece by piece. So I'm just gonna say it. So there was another cervical check before that morning, before I made the decision to go forth with the C-section. Um, and at that cervical check, I was, um, fully dilated, but I was 0% effaced. Um, and so there are, so your cervix can dilate, um, but effacement, let me make sure I'm getting this right. Um, there are three, well, really six stations um, that they count a baby to be in. And so um, the effacement, like my, my cervix was, wasn't getting thinner. Um, and so there are different percentages to like show like how effaced you are. And I wasn't effaced at all. Not only was like, I'm not effaced, um, or I think, <gasps> I'm so sorry. I should be like doing this better. Um, <laughs> but the effacement happens based off of like the, how baby isn't yes this is right how baby is engaging with your cervix and so dilation the cervix that's the opening of the cervix effacement is like the thinning of the cervix so there's like now um like space for like the baby to like to come through like there's like they can touch the baby's head like boom um, and so, and that happens, the effacement happens by like the positioning of the baby. Um, cause it's it, like, the it's getting thinner and like eating away or going away, whatever. Um, and so the six stations that I was talking about, so you have like negative three, negative two, negative one, zero, one, two, three. And Demi was like still like at a station like negative one when um, they were checking, which they're not always 100% accurate. Um, and so I know she's awoke, awake from her fourth nap, I think. Um, but she wasn't engaging. So there was no effacement. Um, and so that was going to take more time. Who knows how long? Who knows how short? But I didn't want to risk it I was just kind of ready after learning about like her heart rates and stuff I was just like we're done and so here we are <laughs> and if you made it this far in this episode oh my gosh I love you and we are best friends 
Um, but yes, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Dear Demi podcast. Um, I'm kind of now on this series of just going through what my pregnancy was like, what my labor was like, what my delivery was like. And then on next, the next episode, I will talk about postpartum, which we know postpartum starts as soon as the baby is here. Um, and then after that, I hope to get into some more um, topics about just my experiences, like different parts of the journey, like medical care, money, finances, relationships, um, romantic and non-romantic, um, like mental health. Like I just hope to get into more topics that um, are impacted, <laughs> not that she's getting a loner, um, by carrying life. And so like I said, thanks for tuning in. If you are currently a pregnant mommy, you got this. I am praying for you. I am with you. If you want to talk, we can talk. Um, if you're somebody that's, you know, thinking about it, even if you're in a relationship or not, like go ahead and just scratch the surface and learn something about pregnancy and birth that you haven't learned before. Um, and if you're somebody with no desires and you're just on here listening and supporting me, I appreciate you, you too, but pass this information along um, to somebody who could take advantage. So that's it for this episode of Dear Demi. I know I did not do the segments, but that's okay because it's already long. All right, I'll see y'all next week. I got to go get my baby. <laughs>